right. I know you've been standing for a while. I want to invite you one more time, if you would, before you you're be seated for a little bit. But in honor of the Word of God, we're going to go to Acts 17. And um, we're going to continue on the series that we started last week. And I pray the Lord's rich blessing on His Word today. Of course, it is already blessed, but we want it to be blessed to our hearts. Amen. Don't you want to be a willing, ready recipient of what God has out of His Word? And that's really, that's really what it's all about. Acts 17, I, I want to, let's, let's go to uh, verse, I'll start reading from verse number one. As, as you're turning there, 2 Timothy is the other passage I want to read, 2 Timothy 2.15. The Bible says, now when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, notice how Paul rolled. It says, as his manner was, this is what he did. This was his approach to harvest and evangelism. He went in unto them. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Everybody say the scriptures. That's a powerful place for us to be coming out of the scriptures, it says. Opening alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Some believe, and so with Paul and Silas, and the de uh, devout Greeks, a great multitude, the chief women, not a few. Um... Verse 6, when they found them not, they drew Jason, certain brethren of the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Uh-oh, the apostolics are coming. The apostles are coming. And uh, this was the world's perspective of the church, which probably is exactly the opposite of what it should be. They said these that have turned the world upside down have come thither. The, really, the church doesn't turn the, the world upside down. The church turns the world right side up because God's way is always the right way. And the result of that is that it ticks people off. I think we just, you know, sometimes it, it either it's, it's going to demand a response. The word of God always demands a response. It just does. You can, you can believe it or you cannot believe it, but ignoring it really isn't a valid option. You believe it or you don't believe it. And those that don't believe it, according to the scripture here, we're all riled and ramped up. Uh, so where we, where we go here, it says, um, let's do verse 8. They troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. When they had taken security of Jason of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night because they were highly dangerous. And they had an inflammatory situation on their hand. The apostle says, well, it's probably time. It's getting pretty hot around here. We're going to go to the next city. They came unto a place. I want you to notice this place. It's called not Korea. It's called Berea. They went to a place, it's called Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And notice what the, the primary characteristic of these people when the apostles brought the bread of life, the word of God to them, their response was actually superior than the place they had just come from, Thessalonica, where there was all this ramped up you know, revelry and, and anger and all of that. It says that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They were mentally attentive. They were connecting in between their ears mentally. Their, their mind was sharp. And the Bible says they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Their nobility, their honor, they were honorable. The Bereans were honorable because everything that Paul was bringing to them out of the word they were, their mind was open and they were receptive and they were ready in analyzing what he was saying. And then furthermore, the Bible says that 
that they search the scriptures, how often? Every single day they search the scriptures. And I pray may God help us as his people to be those kind of people, to be noble like the Bereans were. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul told his young compatriot in ministry, he told him, study to show thyself approved unto God. Because at the end of the day, every saint of God, child of God, at the end of the day, there's only one analysis that really matters. And that is, what does God think of you? And what does God think of me? And I don't know about you, I want God to look down at my life and I want him to be able to put a stamp of approval upon my life. Approve, approve. It says that we should show our, we should study so that we can be approved of God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want to continue on, on the same mode that we were in last week on our Rebible series. And I want to talk this morning about able workmen that win with the word. Because if we're going to win in this thing, church, we're going to win by doing more than just going to church. The way that we win according to the scripture is that we need to be able workmen with the word of God. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. We've already we've experienced your presence and your power, and, and we've opened up the scriptures. There's nothing more powerful that we can do in this church and this pulpit than to open the Bible and read the word of God and the scriptures. We give honor to the word of the Lord. And I pray that your anointing would help me give fluency to say what needs to be said. And most importantly, may your anointing open the hearts and lives of each and every child of God, every saint, every person that's here today, that, Lord, the seed would be planted in good soil, that we could learn today, that we can love this Bible that all we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. God bless you. Last week we talked about, and I just qualify what we talked about last week, um, I was not trying to be trite or trying to be cute in saying that, but the famed Vince Lombardi, the coach of the winning Green Bay Packers, remember he stood before the team toward the beginning, toward the beginning of his coaching career, and he stood before them, and he held within his hands a football, and he talked to professional football players, those that had graduated college, those that had played school ball, and they were professionals that were being paid big money to play the game of football, and they'd come all the way to the end of their season, the championship, and they lost the championship. So they weren't ignorant people. But he stood before them, Coach Lombardi stood before them, and held within his hand a football, and he looked at all the professionals, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. Doesn't get any deeper than that. If you're wanting deeper, sorry, I got nothing for you. Gentlemen, this is a football. That's what he told him. This is a football. Five words is all he shared with these professional football players. You think that's almost ignorant. Like, who do you think you're talking to? We're pros around here. He said, this is a football. And those five words coupled with a dynamic focus, a fundamental focus, Turn the Green Bay Packers into the 1961 champions of the National Football League. Not only were they the champions in 1961, they were the champions in 1962. There was a two-year, a couple-year interim in there, and they became the champions in 1965, the NFL champions. I'm sorry, Vikings, if I'm disappointing you here and talking about the Packers, but this is what happened. 
They became the champions in 1966, and they became the champions in 1967. They were literally the only NFL football team that has ever won three straight NFL championships. And furthermore, they won the most world championships of any NFL team. We could say of them, they were winners. We could say of them, they were victors. We could say of them that they were champions. We could say of them that they were gridiron giants. Well, I'm here in the church on this Sunday morning. I'm not talking to a football team, but I'm talking to the church of the living God. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the real champions of the world. I'm talking to those that are destined by Almighty God to not just win a couple of battles, but to win the battle of life and to win everything that God has for us. And I want every saint to be reminded this morning that you were destined by God to be a powerful, anointed, spiritual champion. That anything you come to, you can come through. And any battle that you fight in, that you can rise above it and become a victor in the Lord Jesus Christ. That you would be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm not talking to an anemic church here this morning. I'm not talking to a weak church here this morning. I'm talking to a church that according to the word of God, we were destined to win this battle. I read the back of the book, and the back of the book does say that we win. The back of the book, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him that overcometh come. And he has just a few verses in there, and he says, Whatever you do, don't mess with the book. Don't add to the words. Don't take away from the words. Make sure that you keep the words pure. Make sure that you keep the Word of God what it needs to be. And then he ended with saying, Behold, I come quickly. I'm so thankful today that I'm a part of the church of the living God that is destined for Jesus' name, victory. That God has called us to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, I'm going to build this church upon a rock. And it doesn't matter whatever hell throws at this church. Come on, it doesn't matter whatever sickness gets thrown at this church. It doesn't matter whatever enemy tries to come against this church. It doesn't matter what kind of lies come against this church. This church is destined for victory because Jesus said that not even the gates of hell shall prevail against the church of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm talking this morning not to a football team. I'm talking to the real champions. You are a champion. You are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Vince Lombardi took nothing for granted. He began a tradition from scratch, assuming that every single year those professional players that stood before him were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. And he began with the most elemental elemental statement when he said and held the pigskin in his hand and said, gentlemen, this is a football It wasn't a matter of sarcasm. It wasn't a cute object lesson. But what he was doing to the football team was trying to dial in the focus on the fundamentals. 
He was trying to communicate to the team, team, don't forget the basics. He was trying to say, team, there is some core competencies that we have got to have. And Coach Lombardi knew that if those good players could hone the craft, if they could master the fundamentals, they could win the prize. And so if you boil down the game of football, you can boil down the game of football to one singular and simple thing. Folks, it's about the ball. The game of football is about the ball. Every football player becomes intimately familiar with the football. Every play revolves around the ball. Every block and tackle is so that the ball can get through. They run the ball. They throw the ball. They block the ball. And they make sure whatever they do that they don't drop the ball. Because it's all about the ball. I haven't come to preach about the ball on this Sunday morning. I've come to say, Christian, it's all about the Bible. It's all about the Word of God. It's all about the Scripture. A Christian builds his life on the Bible, the Word of God. We build our lives based on the book. We read the book. We pray the book. We speak the book. We live the book. Our spiritual man is fortified by the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. So Coach Lombardi realized that for them to have victory, he had to get their focus. Back on the ball. In other words, he had a plan. How are we going to win? Green Bay Packers. They're going to win with the ball. And I'm just here to say this morning at River of Life Church, we're not going to win just because we have church at 9 and 11. We're not going to win just because we have a sign out front that calls our name River of Life. Amen. We're going to win because all of us, every single saint of God, has a personal relationship, passion, and connection with and for the Word of God. Every child of God, a relationship with the fundamentals of the Word of God. How are we going to win as a church? We're going to win with a focus on the Word of God. How are we going to win more lost people to Jesus Christ? Can I tell you how we're going to win more lost people to Jesus Christ? The more people that we can get the Word in their life, the more people that we can bring the Word to, they can experience victory in their life. I tell you what, sometimes we don't, we don't need to, I'm not interested in throwing a pass. I tell you what we need to do, sometimes we need to throw the Word. I'm just wondering if there's some receivers out there. Some wide receivers. Anybody open? Anybody hungry? Because it's all about the Word of God. Church, we can win with the Word. We can win our city with the Word. The early church, they won. They didn't have buildings like we have. They didn't what we like them they're creature comforts they didn't have air conditioning we like air conditioning 
I get it. We like heat when it gets 60 below. But you know what? There's a lot of things that the church can live without. There's a lot of things that we can do without. But there's one thing we can never do without that we'll ever and always win with. It's the word. It's the truth. It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. May God bring us as a church full circle back to a focus that's powerful on the word of God because we can win with the word. Are you struggling this morning? Have you got a challenge in your life? Have you got a besetting sin that you can't overcome? Have you got a sickness that's dialing in on you? Is the devil breathing down your neck? Is false doctrine trying to whisper in your ear? Can I tell you this morning that the Word of God is the solution and that you can win with the Word of God. The Word of God can give you the victory in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. They ran with the ball, but we run with the Word. And I'll tell you, furthermore, those football players, they get really good at ball handling. Ball handling. You know what some of them do? I know this. I did this when I was a kid. That's why I was such an incredible basketball player. Just kidding. I wasn't that great, but I was better. Some, people, some, some ball players, they sleep with their ball because they want such a familiarity with the ball. They practice with the ball. They live with the ball. The, 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 the basketball players in school that walk down the the, the halls of their the school, dribbling the ball. You know why? Because they want to increase their ball handling skills. 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 says this, not walking in craftiness. That's not how we operate. We're not crafty, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. 1 John 1 and 1 says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. And notice what he said, our hands have handled of the word of life. I'll tell you what, the vision that I have for God's church is that every member of the church, every member of the body of Christ, every saint, uh, that they, they are developing their ball handling skills. No, 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 I'm sorry, not the ball handling skills, their word handling skills. Proficient in the word. I'll repeat myself and say what I said last week. I am, I am direly concerned, but let's, let's turn that concern into a focus. That I, I, God forbid that we graduate children out of our Sunday school and out of our youth group. God forbid that we graduate them out of youth group where they couldn't work their way through a Bible to save their life. God forbid that our children graduate from our church after hearing a thousand sermons and the only verse they know in the Bible with any degree of certainty is Acts 2.38. There's more in this Bible than just Acts 2.38. And I believe that God is going to help us, that God is going to raise up an army. Come on, an army of believers uh, that have dedicated themselves to this book, uh, that our children could sit down across from the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and could preach Acts 2.38, Bible salvation outside Acts 2.38, repentance and baptism and Holy Ghost and oneness of God and holiness uh, and be able to walk through the scriptures and say, this is the reason why I believe what I believe because uh, the Bible says right here and the Bible says uh, right here and coming out of their mouth and coming out of their heart is the word of God because we're going to win with the word of God we're going to win with the word of God in fact the church scores with the word of God 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's the Word. I thank God for the Word. It feeds us. It leads us. I got a series of scriptures that I, I want to read you about, seven or eight of them in a row. Matthew 24 and 35. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. I'm thankful for the word of God. You know, a lot of people are trying to save the planet. They're going to they're bankrupt our nation trying to save the planet. Oh, yeah, it's called the Green New Deal. You can spend billions of dollars, folks, to, 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 to bring down carbon emissions, but can I tell you something? You can spend billions of dollars and bankrupt the nation. It's not going to matter because God said there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. He said that the, the heavens are going to roll up like a scroll. They're going to melt with her, fervent heat. That even terra firma, earth that we walk on, when you go to walk out to your car, the earth that you're walking on, and I like it, like you. I mean, you live up here, you're going you're gonna, to you're, you're gonna like the outdoors. I like the outdoors. I like lakes. I, I like nature and all that. But, friend, nature's going to pass away. The world as we know it's going to be gone. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. And when, when the heavens burn up and, and when the earth is destroyed and God makes a new, a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and God builds himself a new planet and the old planet's gone, can I tell you something? There's going to be something enduring that goes beyond even heaven and earth. There's going to be something that endures beyond that. It's the word of Almighty God. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but you have holding in your hands and can get it in your heart. Something that will never pass away. It's the word of God. He said, heaven and earth is going to pass away. My word shall not pass away. Jeremiah said it like this. He, he made a metaphor and a comparison of the word. Jeremiah 23, 29, he said, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord. And like a hammer, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. You ever felt like you got hammered by the word? <laughs> God loves us so much. And sometimes he'll hammer. You know why? Because there's stubborn, hard stuff in our life. But God loves us so much. He said, I'll send you my word. And thank God his, his word is harder than my hard head. His word, because it breaks the rocks in pieces. He said it's like a hammer. It's like a fire. Ephesians 6.17 calls it the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Psalm 119 and 130, the psalmist wrote and said, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 4, he said it like this, Man shall not live by bread alone. Oh, my goodness, we like fresh bread, don't we? Fresh bread is so wonderful. Yum, 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 so good. But he said, he said, man's not going to live by bread alone, but he's going to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I'm thankful for the word that's better than bread. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 2, he says it like this, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How many want to grow in their knowledge of the word of God? Can I tell you how you're going to grow in your knowledge of the word of God? This is so simple, but it hit me the other day. Because the thing is, you can hear the most prolific teaching and you can have access to the greatest information this side of heaven. But really, it's based on my hunger level. He said, desire the sincere milk of the word. That's why one person will leave church with revelation and another church will leave, will leave church bored. That's why one person will read their Bible and not get anything. Another person will say, man, I'm getting something out of it. Because he said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Hebrews 5 and 14, Paul said, 
Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Isaiah says in 55 and 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You can bank on this book that everything that God said he's going to do in this book, you can take it to the bank because he's faithful. And he said this word is not going to return void. When God sends a prophecy out, that prophecy is going to come to pass. Everything in this book that God said, it is true. I thank God today that I can count on the word of God. I want to elevate the scripture today. The word of God, according to these previous passages, is indestructible. In other words, heaven and earth is going to pass away. But guess what? This word is never going to pass away. Literally, you have within your hands, you have eternity in your hand. It's the word of God. It's indestructible. He said it's like a hammer that breaks away the rocky places in my life. He said it's like a fire that burns away the waste material and the frivolous carnal things in my life. It's like a fire that will burn. I tell you what, we get the word of God inside of us. If you get the word in you, then sin will begin to leave you. That's the truth, because David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not speak. Because when you get the word, he said it's a fire, and it burns up that cup. Thank God for the word. Thank God for the word. He said it's like a sword that slashes the enemy and gives us victory over life's battles. It's the sword of the Spirit. He said it's like light that illuminates the pathway in front of us. Folks, we're living in a dark world right now, and I'm not going to curse the darkness. I tell you, all I want to do today I can tell you everything that is wrong with our world, and it will take no skill to do so. But I want to talk about what can be right in our world. Because the word, the entrance of thy word bringeth light. And what a dark world needs is a shining of the word of God. A Christian that may be walking through dark places in life. I'm so thankful that his word is a lamp under my feet. And it's a light under my path. I don't know what to do next. What does my future hold for me? The good news is that I can have a relationship with the word of God that will direct me one step at a time. I may not know a thousand steps ahead, but one step at a time. The word will be a direction unto my life because it's a lamp and it's a light. Thank God. For the word of God. He said it's bread. It's bread. It feeds us. Oh, my goodness. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you what. My wife buys this cottage bread. Dave Hall, it's my treat at night. I drop two pieces of it in there and lather it with butter and then put peanut butter on one of them and, uh, and uh, raspberry jam on the other one. And that's, oh, my goodness. And that's, that's store-bought. It's pretty good. Man, you ever had fresh bread? But he said, we, got, we can't just live on bread. We live by every word that comes out of God's mouth. You know why? Because, the, listen, church, listen. The word of God feeds us. The word of God will feed you on Monday. And my prayer is, and I want this to be an encouragement, my prayer is that you're feeding on the word Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday. Friday and Saturday, you're feeding on the Word of God. You're studying the Word. You're learning the Word. You're in the Word. The Word is in you. Amen. The Word is, is every day of our life because it's, it's bread to us. The writer said it's milk. It can be milk. 
It provides calcium for strong biblical bones. Right? And that little baby. What's it saying? You know what it's saying? It's saying, I got to have milk. I got to have milk. If you're new to the Lord, I pray you bring your hunger to God daily. Bring your hunger to church. Bring that book. Bring a notebook with that, with that Bible and take notes. And may God feed you. Because he said it's like milk. You're like, well, Reverend, I ain't no baby. I've been around here a long time. Been around here 20 years. Well, okay, here you go. He said that it's meat. He said the word is like meat. You know what meat is for? If you lift weights, you know those guys that walk around with sunburned armpits, right? I've been lifting weights. Super strong. Mighty man. You know, you lift weights. You know, if you're going to lift weights, you know what you got to have? Guys that lift the weights, they eat lots of protein. Gals that, should, gals that lift the weights, they're really scary. Never arm wrestle a woman, that's all I'm saying, because it's a lose-lose proposition. If you win, you lose, and if you lose, you really lose, right? So, strong and mighty weightlifter. Hey, how much protein? Huh? 240 grams of protein today. I ate like 92 chicken breasts. I ate 92 chicken breasts. <laughs> you get so sick of chicken. <laughs> Give me a break. Can't eat. You know why? Because you're pounding the protein, because your muscles need protein. Your muscles need, you got to feed your muscles protein because you won't build muscle mass. Oh, you're not getting it. You won't build muscle mass without protein. You know what God said? That's why he calls it, it's the meat. It's the meat. Strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. I can get the meat. We need people in the church that can get beyond Acts 2.38 and John 3.5. Come on, we need people that can go beyond John 3.16. I mean, everybody that's a Christian knows John 3.16, right? Don't we want to move beyond John 3.16 at some point? <clears throat> Don't we want to grow in the word of God? That's what he said. He said it's meat. It'll put protein. It'll put biblical muscle on you. So when the enemy comes in, you got some spiritual strength in your life. Where does that strength come from? It comes from the word of God. It comes from a relationship with the word of God. The whole game for the church is the word of God. God has parameters. He's got boundaries. He's got principles. He's got laws. He's got systems. And to operate ignorantly of God's word is like bringing a baseball glove to a football game. Amen. Like using Elmer's glue for hair gel. Or filling a gas tank with water. It isn't going to work. we got to know the word. Because the word is an expression of God's mind. It's an expression of God's thoughts. I can know how God thinks. As a matter of fact, consolidated, melted down, and committed into a book is the thoughts of God and who God is and what God is. It is the word of God. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. The word of God. Horace Greeley said this, and I, and I quote, Oh, Jesus, for all of the church. He said, It is impossible to enslave mentally or socially a Bible-reading people. The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. Do you know why America is in trouble right now? 
America's in trouble right now because they, the Bible has disappeared from the public square. Come on, America is trouble. America's in trouble. The Lord has directed me over and over again to uh, Old Testament prophet when he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Some people, you know what they say? They're like, I'd rather not know because then once I know, I'm responsible. And uh, they'll, they'll consolidate that statement with an idea that says it like this. Ignorance is bliss. Can I tell you something today? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is destruction. Ignorance is destruction. What I, people say, well, what I don't know, it won't hurt me. No, what I don't know can destroy me. That's why I'm so thankful today that I can, I can have a personal relationship with this precious book. I won't be destroyed because I've got the word of God in my life. I've got the word of God in my life. Many people run. The Bible says in the end times people are going to run to and fro saying, we need a word from the Lord. We need a word from God, and they can't find it. Jeremiah said, land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. People are looking for the word of the Lord. I want direction from God. You may be here today saying, man, I want direction from God. I'm looking for direction from my life. Man, I want the Lord to speak to me today. I want the Lord to talk to me. I wish God would speak to me. Mark Batterson said, and I quote, when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. You know what that means? God talks through his word. He speaks through his word. He talks to us and gives us direction for life through his word. He speaks through his word. I hear from God when I open his word. I thank God for the gifts of the spirit. I thank God for, you know, when he works in miraculous ways. I thank the Lord he can talk through us to us through prayer. I thank God for that. But let me tell you one highly consistent way that you can hear from God. I can hear from God every single day when I open up the pages of this precious Bible because this Bible will speak to me because it is the Word of God. Amen. I'm so thankful to be a part of Pentecost. We are in a Pentecostal, in a Pentecostal church. What, what does that mean, Pentecostal church? Pentecostal church. What that means is we believe in the miraculous. That means is we believe in a demonstration of God's Spirit. We believe that you can experience what they experience in the book of Acts experientially in your own life. In other words, they spoke in tongues in the book of Acts. We can speak in tongues. There's not an expiration date on our New Testament. God didn't say, oh, they had it, they got it, they needed it, but too bad you can't have it. In other words, we, we can have that for right now. There is no expiration date on our New Testament. I'm so thankful that we're Pentecost. I'm thankful for the move of the Spirit. I'm thankful that God's conviction comes. I'm thankful that miracles take place. I'm thankful to be a part of Pentecost. I thank God for that. But you know, there's one sign, and we're going to have this happen, and I'm not picking on this. I'm just, I want to make a point. The point is, there would be times when we'd have a powerful move of the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to have that happen. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. People praying, people tarrying, tears coming out of folks' eyes. People streaming in the back doors, being baptized in Jesus' name. A dynamic, wonderful touch of God's spirit. We love that. And oftentimes, if somebody wasn't able to make that service, another saint would tell another saint, they'd say, man, did we ever have a service? And they would say this, there was no preaching. There was no preaching. And I get what we're saying. I mean, I get it. I get it. Because there was such a... A dynamic move. There was a touch of the spirit. There was no preaching. 
Can I, can I say this? I believe that it's not an either-or proposition. I believe we can have both and. We can have a move of the Spirit and we have the Word of God. We can have a, a move of God coupled with the Word of God because we have to have the Word. We've got to have God talking to us through His Word. We need the Word. We've got to have the Word in our lives. Amen. John 1 and 1, uniquely John 1 and 1, says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you know the first words of Genesis, Genesis 1 and 1? In the beginning, God is Genesis 1 and 1. And then we have the new Genesis of the New Testament, the program of Jesus. And, and Jesus says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things, notice what it says, were made by Him. Everything was made by Him. By who? By the Word. By the, everything was made by the Word, and without Him was not anything made that was made. What does that mean? Every flower that pops out of the ground, every tree, every beautiful tree that you can climb, the stars in the sky, the earth beneath our feet, everything that God ever made, God built the world with his word. He spoke the world and the world came into existence because of the word. If God built the world with the word... Can I tell every saint of God something here this morning? That if God built the world with his word, that you can build your life on the word of God. You can build yourself a life on the word of God. If God could build a complex world off of his word, let me guarantee you something this morning. That he can build your life on the word of God. You can build your life on the word of God. Amen. There's a saying, and I'm going to resurrect this saying. It's an old saying. It says this. It says, a Bible that is falling apart is normally owned by someone who isn't. Amen. What do you mean by that? Because somebody has utilized their word. They studied their word. They're in the word. They love the word. They eat the word. They get the word inside of them. A Bible that's falling apart. In other words, it's all marked up. And by the way, this is a commercial. I love my new Bible. <laughs> I'm so excited about my new Bible. I tell everybody about my new Bible. Amen. I was at men's retreat, and then I saw it. You guys are like, man, you're really excited about your Bible. I'm really excited about my Bible. I'm excited about my Bible. Let me tell you why I'm excited, because it's got super wide margins. It's uh, got a beautiful print type. And I bought a note-taker's Bible a number of years ago. I love it. It's beautiful. It's, it's full-grain leather. It's, it's probably a $300 Bible. I bought it for less than that. But the problem is that it weighs like 153 pounds. You get a hernia when you pick it up. Let me tell you what I love about this Bible, though. I got, man, I got wide margins. And, and look at how nice and compact that Bible is. Now I can put it in my bag. And I, with God's help, I don't ever want this Bible to be more than about four or five feet away from me. I want it to be with, in, in arm's reach everywhere I go. Because I want to build my life on the Word of God. I thank God for the Word of God. I want to build, you can build your life, saint of God, on the Word of God. You can build your life on the scripture. 
As a matter of fact, there's nothing that you're going through in life that the Word of God cannot address and cannot help you to overcome. I'm going to say it again. There is nothing in your life that you cannot overcome with a good relationship with the revelation of the Word of God. If you get this word in you, you're going to be victorious. If you get this word in you, you're going to rise up. If you get this word in you, I don't care what despair and depression you've gone through in life. If you get this word in you when the devil comes hunting you down, you got a sword in your scabbard. If you get this word inside of your life, it'll bring victory to you. If you get this word in you and you study and love and eat the word of God, you will have the greatest tool this side of heaven. This is the greatest tool this side of heaven, the Word of Almighty God. The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. What did he say? He said, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. I don't want to open this book and be ashamed. I want to open this book and I want to be a workman that is not ashamed. Amen. This is our tool. A carpenter has a hammer and a square and a saw. An electrician has electric meter, wire stripper, wire cutters, wire nuts. Right, Joe? A plumber has pipe wrenches. A lawyer has case law, word, strategy, and briefings. A salesperson has a product and people skills and briefings and contracts. And tools are designed for a specific purpose. That's, that's why, and, and there's a wonderful tool. Let me tell you about an even better tool they have. It's a tool that's got like 20 tools in one. They call it a multi-tool. I talked about you, Dave. Dave's probably got one right on his hip right now. He's got a tie, and he's probably got his multi-tool. Maybe not. Oh, man, he's unprepared today. Multi-tool. You know what a multi-tool is? You pull it out, and it's got, here's a screwdriver. You pull it out, and it's got, you know, it's got like a chainsaw that comes out. You pull it out, and it's got great big pipe wrenches. And you pull it out, and it's got all these tools. You just, everywhere you go, I got, I got my multi-tool. It doesn't matter what I come up against. I, man, I got the tool that'll fit the job. Can I tell you, we got a multi-tool. It's called the Bible. It's the Word of God. This multi-tool will tell you how to have a good marriage. This multi-tool will tell you how to build a prayer life. It'll talk to you about doctrine. It'll talk to you about salvation. It'll talk to you about morality. It'll teach you how you can receive healing in your life. It'll show you all. It'll talk about heaven. It'll talk about eternity. It'll talk about your future. It'll talk about how to overcome sin. I'm talking about the greatest tool this side of heaven. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is the greatest tool this side heaven and you want to be Paul told Timothy he said study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth everything of consequence has some kind of licensing or formal approving process tech schools college you got to meet certain criteria Joe are you're close to being a master electrician aren't you so close, aren't you? A couple hours away from that. I mean, all kinds of schooling that went into that and testing that goes into that and all that work that you went through that. And then when you're done, what they're going to do is they're going to take out a big old stamp. I don't know if they're going to do this. I'm just evangelistically speaking here. But they're going to take some kind of thing out and they're just going to stamp approved. You can be a master electrician now. You can now go into homes and you can wire up big homes and people aren't going to get fried when they plug in their hair dryer. Because, man, it's dangerous. That stuff. I don't really like electricity too much unless it's off. I don't like getting poked. But 
Every single one of these things, has, they have an approval process. What is, what is Paul saying? Is the word of God any less? Shouldn't the word of God deserve our, our utmost and best attention? What I'm saying is God's raising up a church of champions. Come on, a church of champions. I could care less whether we win any football game or basketball game. I could care less about all that. But there's one game we got to win. It's the game of life. It's the game of revival. It's the game of pleasing God. It's the game of doing what God wants us to do. And if we get this book centralized, amen, it is elevated as the most important thing in our lives. Uh, I'm telling you what, we can, we can win, church, with this book. We can win with this Bible. We can win with the word of God. Workman, here is your tool. Love it. Live it. Learn it. Pray it. Give it. Study it. Study it to be wise. The word of God. Amen. Acts 17, let's wrap up there. I'll quote Charles, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. I tell you what we need to do is we need to get this word loose. I feel a strong witness in my spirit here this morning. Oh, hallelujah. We need to turn this word loose. We talk about revival a lot around here. What we mean by that is church revitalized, saints on fire for God, in touch with God, walking with the Lord, pleasing God. That's what we mean when we talk about revival. We talk about a kinetic electricity. We talk about a visitation of God's power. That's what we mean. But we also need a, mean a harvest in our world. Because, when, listen, when the church is on fire, the world is going to come and watch you burn. When the church is on fire, that's why the church has got to stoke the fire. We stoke, that's what we mean when we talk about revival. We, we also mean encompassing that the revival that is in the church, in other words, when we're walking in alignment with God, we're passionate, we're fiery, we're fervent, we're living for God, we're loving the word, we're doing what God wants us to do, that all of a sudden then we take this word and we bring this word with us everywhere we go. And listen, church, harvest will come when we carry the word into the world. God's not afraid of the world, and neither should we be. Not if we're full of God. Because what we do is we take this word, and that's fundamentally what the apostolic church did. Listen up, folks. The church had riot, or they had revival. Now, I think we got to get ready for this, all right? We want a lot of times, I mean, hey, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to like me. You know what? Everybody's not going to like me. In fact, some people are going to hate my sanctified, ever-living guts. That's just the way it is, just how it works. Just like the Apostle Paul. I was reading the book of Acts last night, uh, 25, 26, 27, all in there. It's amazing. And I found the same thing happen over and over again. Paul would walk into a city. What would he do? He'd open the scripture. He'd start reasoning out of the scripture. The people would either be like, yeah, we'll take it, yeah. They get baptized. They believe. They're in the church. They're getting baptized. They either loved what he had to say or they hated what he had to say. They loved it or they hated it. And those that hated it, man, did they get ramped up. I mean, they got rabid people crazy. They got nuts. We need to be okay with the fact that it, we're not, I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm not talking about, we're not, we're not talking about being dumb. We're not talking about any of that. But you know what? When you bring this word, it's going to stir some things up. Hello. It's going to stir some things up. It'll stir things up. It'll make people mad. It'll make them glad or it'll make them mad. We got to be okay with that. 
fact, they talked about the Apostle Paul and over and over again. In one place, they called him a ringleader, a pestilent fellow. <laughs> he's a pestilent. He's, he's a pesky guy. Man, he's getting under our skin. Oh, he's getting under that pestilent fellow. He's a ringleader, notice what they said, of the sect of the Nazarenes. It, it, it happened like two different times, the accusation that was leveled against the church. Listen, like two different times they called him a sect, a sect of the Nazarene, a sect. You know what that is? A cult. The church wasn't afraid of that accusation back then, and neither should it be afraid of that accusation now. In fact, it might be a sign that we're doing something right. I don't know. Might be. We can't be afraid of that, though, because we're bringing the word to the world. All of our evangelism that we do. Thank God we've got wonderful things this year. We're going to try to do more of it. Why? Because people need Jesus. Don't we believe that? People need Jesus. People need the same opportunity that I had in my life. I was a sinner that was lost. And, you know, I, I believe people deserve the same opportunity that I had as a young person that was lost. So that's the mission. That's why we do this. That's why we hang up a door hanger or we share our testimony or do what we do because we want other people to know about Jesus. That's our motive. Amen? So we got all kinds of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've said this, I'll dress up like Fuzzy the Clown, man, if we can somehow reach people. It don't matter to me. We can try all kinds of methods and whatever, but at the end of the day, folks, at the end of the day, end of the day, end of the day, the ultimate thing, the ultimate thing is we've got to get them into the Word of God. Because the Word is going to be what saves their soul. We're going to turn that lion of the Word of God loose, and it will change our world. Oh, praise God. Acts 17 to 1, or 2, Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them. What did he do? Out of the Scriptures. He brought them the Word of God. Out of the Scriptures. Verse 6, when they found them not, they drew Jason, certain brethren, under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. How did they turn the world upside down? They turned the world upside down with the Word of God. How are we going to turn Grand Rapids right side up? We got too much meth in this city. I could say mess. That's all encompassing. We got too much meth. We got too much mess. We got too many broken hearted people that are just subjugated by sin and Satan. But oh my goodness, thank God that we hold within our hands the answer to set every person free in Grand Rapids. It's the word of God. They turn their world right side up with a love and a propagation of the word of God. They had a Bible revival. That's what re-Bible. Revival. That's what re-Bible. We want a revival of the Bible. I believe we crack this book open, we're going to have a mighty revival. As this book, and as we passionately fall in love with this book and share this book, we are going to have a powerful Bible revival, a re-Bible as we open this precious book and we share this book with the world. Finally, Acts 17 and 10. Music, you can come. I'm done. The brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night and Maria, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And it says of them, notice, notice what they said of these people in Berea. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind. They had a sharpness. They were interacting with it. They, they opened their minds and their heart to the word and 
they had a readiness of mind. I've got a burden in our church. I got a, this is my prayer right now. That's why these Bibles are sitting here. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I, want, I want our children to have it. We want our children. We want our teens. Don't we want our teens to have it? I know if, if, they, if they can have a love for this book and a desire to follow this precious book, they're going to be all right. I want our teens. I mean, I'm just, it's a request I'm making. I'm requesting. Let's bring our Bibles to church. You know, possibly we made a mistake years ago with these screens. They're, they're helpful. They are helpful in some ways. But, you know, we started putting our scriptures up on the screen, and I had an elder in the church told me a number of years ago, he said, you know what, it's on the screen. I guess I don't need to bring my Bible anymore. I want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church. Um, I realize we have people that come and guests that come, and it, it's a helpful tool. I, I get all that. But, but man, bring your Bible to church. Young people, bring your Bible to church. I'm proud of our young people. They're making some good steps. Bring that Bible to church. Bring that Bible to youth service. Bring that Bible to Sunday school. I met with our department head leaders yesterday, and we were talking about this. And we are going to intentionally, it won't happen accidentally, but may God help us. I want our children, I want our young people to graduate high school and be able to walk through the Word of God and show us in the Word what they believe. Inside out, upside down, round and round. Have a solid understanding of the Word of God. Because that's what this church has got to be built on. I believe God's going to help us. It says they had a readiness of mind. They were sharp. They were, they were there. So when we come to church, why don't we bring a notebook with us? Jot some things down. Have something that will stick with you. I've realized it's possible for me as a preacher to be under a very false assumption. And my false assumption could be this. Well, I preached. I taught. They must have learned. I'm going to, with God's help, as well as anybody that's in this pulpit, to bring people to you that are going to bring you the Scripture and not under the false assumption that because I've disseminated information that you've learned. Really, the end result of teaching should be, did people learn? Because if people leave church and leave youth and leave Sunday school and they haven't learned anything, then we haven't succeeded. But that's what we want to do. We want to we learn the Word. So when you come, would you, would you bring that spirit with you, a readiness of mind? Bring your Bible. Come to learn. Think about it throughout the week. Take, take time and, and your own time and read the Word of God. And secondly, it says of them, they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. How often did they do that? Every day they're combing the Scriptures. They're looking at the Scriptures. And it says of them, it's a great compliment in the Bible. It says of them, they were more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. They were noble. They were honorable. They were honorable because they had a readiness and a sharpness in their mind and that they studied the Scriptures every single day and I pray that God would help us with that I pray that God would help us with that amen we have Bibles here um, I told you about my Bible I bought I'm so happy with my new Bible because it's compact I carry it with me everywhere I go it's there I'm studying it cool thing is marking it up and putting notes in here it's all right here compact nice Bible this Bible blows my mind Amazon has this Bible for about $30. I called Thomas Nelson Publishers in the past week, and uh, we did a little research. I want to find out what can we buy these Bibles in bulk for. And I called them, and they gave us a resource of a company, a, a discount Bible company. And um, I believe they were $20.24 was the sale price on them, 
Can you believe that? 20 bucks. Uh, my wife went to make a purchase. She was going to buy. I told her, I said, let's buy 75. And let's put a big old stack because we're going to get more Bibles out there. When she punched that number in, there was another discount that dropped it like another whatever percentage. And so we bought these Bibles for $16 a piece. I, I mean, I love my Bible, so I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating. I, I would pay $100 for this Bible. That's how much I like this Bible. And I'm blown away. So we bought, I said, well, buy 85 of them. Buy 85. Buy, buy 85 Bibles. This is slightly different than the one that I have. Slightly different. The cover is, I think, probably better than what I have. It's got nice gold leaf. But man, there it is. $16. And so here's, here's how I want to end this service today. I want to encourage us. If you want a copy of, of the Bible, these are $16. I think Angie's going to be here and she'll be somewhere. She'll be. She'll take your money. What do you say we get ourselves? A f- this is re-Bible. That's what this series, re-Bible. That means we're going back to the book. Can we do that, church? We're going back to the book. We're going back to the Word of God. Stand together with me this morning. There's a neat little story about William Tyndale. Tyndale, of course... One of his great arguments against the church, he was so angry. He was part of the Protestant Reformation. He was so angry with the organized church. The reason he was angry with the organized church is that the organized church was trying to keep the Bible from the people. The organized church during the Reformation was keeping the Bible from the people. They said, well, the people are too ignorant. The people aren't going to be able to understand it. They're going to, you know, they're going to get mixed up. So they didn't want the people to have the Bible. William Tyndale... He knew eight languages. He said, I'm going to translate this Bible into the, the, the modern English so that the people can have an access to the Bible. Well, the people hate, I mean, the people loved it, but the religious leaders hated him for it. He ended up dying a martyr's death. He ended up being burned at the stake for translating a Bible so that everybody could have access to the Bible. Story goes that they took him, and before they burned him to death, they, they took him and they strangled him. They put their hands around his throat and they strangled him dead. And They say, what they say was the last prayer that he prayed was a very simple prayer. And that prayer was, they say, coming out of his mouth was a prayer. Lord, open the king of England's eyes that he may see. Lord, open the king of England's eyes that he may see. They say 75 years later, James, the king, said, you know what? We need to translate the Bible into the common language. He's King James. King James. King James takes William Tyndale's translation of the Bible 75 years later. 80 to 90% of the King James Bible came out of William Tyndale's sacrifice in saying the Word of God matters so much that I'll give my life for the Word of God. And the Lord answered his prayer, and King James, his eyes were open. And we have a King James Bible today. As a matter of fact, Tyndale Publishers is one of the largest Christian publishers now. He Wouldn't he be surprised to know a publishing company was named after him? They say that they found two copies of, of his original copy of the Bible going way back to like 1511. Two copies. Those copies sold for almost $50,000 a piece. Wouldn't he be surprised? More importantly, wouldn't he be elated? What would he be elated about? He'd be elated that the people can have the word of God.
So I want to encourage you. Would you take the Word of God home with you? Take the Word of God home with you. Jesus, we thank you today so much. Thank you, Lord. This is a revival we're praying for.